Section 7 of The Wound Dresser by Walt Whitman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Letters of 1862 to 3 continued. 6. Washington, March 31, 1863. Dearest Mother, I have not heard from George except a note he wrote me a couple of days after he got back from his furlough. I think it likely the regiment has gone with its corps to the west, the Kentucky or Tennessee region. Burnside, at last accounts, was in Cincinnati. Well, it will be a change for George if he is out there. I sent a long letter to Han last Saturday, and closed George's note to me. Mother, when you or Jeff writes again, tell me if my papers and manuscripts are all right. I should be very sorry indeed if they got scattered or used up or anything especially the copy of leaves of grass covered in blue paper and the little manuscript book drum taps and the manuscript tied up in the square spotted stone paper loose covers i want them all carefully kept mother it is quite a snowstorm here this morning the ground is an inch and a half deep with snow and it is snowing and drizzling but i feel very independent in my stout army boots i go anywhere I have felt quite well of my deafness and cold in my head for four days or so, but it is back again, bad as ever, this morning. Dear Mother, I wrote the above in my room. I have now come down to Major Hapgood's office. I do not find anything from home, and no particular news in the paper this morning. No news about the Ninth Army Corps, or where they are. I find a good letter from one of my New York boys, Fifth Avenue, a young fellow named Hugo Fritsch, son of the austrian consul general he writes me a long first-rate letter this morning he too speaks about the opera like jeff he goes there a good deal says that midori the soprano as norma made the greatest success ever seen says that the whole company there now the singers are very fine all this i write for jeff and matt i hope they will go once in a while when it is convenient it is a most disagreeable day here, mother, walking poshy in a rain and drizzle. There is nothing new with me, no particular sight for an office that I can count on, but I can make enough with the papers for the present necessities. I hear that the paymaster, Major Yard, that pays the 51st, has gone on west, I suppose to Cincinnati, or wherever the brigade has gone, of course, to pay up. He pays up to 1st of March. All the army is going to be paid up to 1st March everywhere. Mother, I hope you are well and hearty as usual. I am so glad you are none of you going to move. I would like to have the pleasure of Miss Manahatta Whitman's company, the first fine forenoon, if it were possible. I think we might have first-rate times for one day at any rate. I hope she will not forget her Uncle Walt. I received a note from Probasco requesting me not to put his name in my next letter. I appreciate his motive and wish to please him always, but in this matter I shall do what I think appropriate. Mother, I see some very interesting persons here, a young master's mate who was on the Hatteras when surprised and broadsided by the Alabama, Captain Semis. He gave me a very good account of it all. Then Captain Mullen, U.S. Army, engineer, who has been six years out in the Rocky Mountains making a government road 650 miles from Fort Benton to Walla Walla. Very, very interesting to know such men intimately and talk freely with them. 
dearest mother i shall have great yarns to spin when i come home i am not a bit homesick yet i should like to see you and matt very very much one thinks of the women when he is away walt shall send the shirts in a day or two seven washington wednesday forenoon april fifteenth eighteen sixty three dearest mother jeff's letter of the eleventh acknowledging the books also the one about five days previous containing the ten dollars from van anden came safe jeff's letters are always first-rate and welcome the good long one with so much about home and containing hands and george's was especially so it is a great pleasure though sometimes a melancholy one to hear from han under her own hand i have writ to george i wrote last friday i directed the letter to lexington or elsewhere kentucky as i saw in a letter in a cincinnati paper that general ferrero was appointed provost marshal at lexington the fifty-first is down there somewhere and i guess it is about as well off there as anywhere there is much said about their closing up the regimental companies that is where there are ten companies of forty men each closing them up to five companies of eighty men each it is said the government purposes something of this kind it will throw a good many captains and lieutenants out i suppose you know that legendre is now colonel of the fifty first it's a pity if we haven't americans enough to put over our old war regiments i think less and less of foreigners in this war what i see especially in the hospitals convinces me that there is no other stock for emergencies but native american no other name by which we can be saved mother i feel quite bad about andrew i am so in hopes to hear that he is recovered i think about him every day he must not get fretting and disheartened that is really the worst feature of any sickness diseases of the throat and bronchia are the result always of bad state of the stomach blood etc they never come from the throat itself the throat and the bronchia are lined like the stomach and other interior organs with a fine lining like silk or crepe and when all this gets ulcerated or inflamed or what not it is dr samus's mucous membrane you know it is bad and most distressing medicine is really of no great account except just to pacify a person this lining i speak of is full of little blood vessels and the way to make a real cure is by gentle and steady means to recuperate the whole system this will tell upon the blood upon the blood vessels and so finally and effectually upon all this coating i speak of that lines the throat etc but as it is a long time before this vital lining membrane very important is injured so it is a long time before it can be made all healthy and right again but andrew is young and strong enough and has a good constitution for basis and of course by regular diet care and nary whiskey under any circumstances i am sure he would not only get over that trouble but be as well and strong as he ever was in his life mother you tell him i sent him my love and nancy the same and the dear little boys the same the next time you or matt goes down there you take this and show him matt i am quite glad to hear that you are not hurried and fretted with work from new york this spring i am sure i should think sis and housekeeping etc would be enough to attend to 
I was real amused with Sis's remarks and all that was in the letter about her. You must none of you notice her smartness nor criticisms before her, nor encourage her to spread herself nor be critical, as it is not good to encourage a child to be too sharp. And I hope Sissy is going to be a splendid specimen of good animal health. For the few years to come I should think more of that than anything. That is the foundation of all, righteousness included. As to her mental vivacity and growth, they are plenty enough of themselves and will get along quite fast enough of themselves, plenty fast enough. Don't stimulate them at all. Dear little creature, how I should like to see her this minute. Jeff must not make his lessons to her in music any ways strong or frequent on any account. Two lessons a week of ten minutes each is enough. But then I dare say Jeff will think of all these things just the same as I am saying. Jeff writes he wonders if I am as well and hardy, and I suppose he means as much of a beauty as ever, whether I look the same. Well, not only as much, but more so. I believe I weigh about two hundred, and as to my face, so scarlet, and my beard and neck, they are terrible to behold. I fancy the reason I am able to do some good in the hospitals among the poor languishing and wounded boys is that I am so large and well, indeed like a great wild buffalo with much hair. Many of the soldiers are from the west and far north, and they take to a man that has not the bleached shiny and shaved cut of the cities in the east. I spent three to four hours yesterday in Armory Hospital. One of my particular boys there was dying pneumonia he wanted me to stop with him a while he could not articulate but the look of his eyes and the holding on of his hand was deeply affecting his case is a relapse eight days ago he had recovered was up was perhaps a little careless at any rate took cold and was taken down again and has sank rapidly he has no friends or relatives here yesterday he labored and panted so for breath it was terrible he is a young man from new england from the country i expected to see his cot vacated this afternoon or evening as i shall go down then mother if you or matt was here a couple of days you would cry your eyes out i find i have to restrain myself and keep my composure i succeed pretty well good-bye dearest mother walt Jeff, Captain Muller, remains here yet for some time. He is bringing out his report. I shall try to send you a copy. Give my best regards to Dr. Ruggles. Mother, my last letter home was a week ago today. We are having a dark rainy day here. It is now half past three. I have been in my room all day so far. Shall have dinner in half an hour, and then down to Armory. 8. Washington, April 28, 1863. Dearest Mother, a letter from Jeff came this morning. Mother, I was sorry to hear you had a return of your rheumatism. I do hope you will favor yourself more. It depends so much on that, and rheumatism is so obstinate when it gets hold of one. Mother, you received a letter from me sent last Wednesday, 22nd, of course, with a small quantity of shin plasters. Next time you or Jeff writes, I wish you would tell me whether the letters come pretty regularly, the next morning after I write them. This now ought to reach you Wednesday forenoon, April 29th. Mother, 
Did a Mr. Howell call on you? He was here last week to see about his boy. Died a long while ago in hospital in Yorktown. He works in the Navy Yard, knows Andrew. You will see about him, the boy, in a letter I sent yesterday to the Eagle. It ought to appear today or tomorrow. Jeff, I wish you would take ten cents I send in this letter and get me ten copies of the Eagle with it in. Put in five more of my pictures, the big ones in the last edition, Leaves, and a couple of the photographs, Carte Visite, the smaller ones, and send me to the same direction as before. It came very well. I will send an eagle to Han and George. The stamps and ten cents are for Jeff and the papers and postage. I have written to Han and sent her George's last two letters from Kentucky. One I got last week from Mount Sterling. I write to George and send him papers. Sam Beatty is here in Washington again. I saw him, and he said he would write to George. Mother, I have not got any new clothes yet, but shall very soon, I hope. People are more rough and free and easy dressed than your way. Then it is dusty or muddy most of the time here. Mother, dear, I hope you have comfortable times, at least as comfortable as the law allows. I am so glad you are not going to have the trouble of moving this first of May. How are the Browns? Tell Will I should like to see him first-rate. If he was here attached to the suite of some big officer or something of that kind, he would have a good time and do well. I see lots of young fellows not half as capable and trustworthy as he, coming and going in Washington in such positions. The big generals and headmen all through the armies and provosts, etc., like to have a squad of such smart, nimble young men around them. Give my respects to Mr. and Mrs. Brown. Tell Jeff I am going to write to Mr. Lane either today or tomorrow. Jeff asks me if I go to hospitals as much as ever. If my letters home don't show it, you don't get them. I feel sorry sometimes after I have sent them. I have said so much about hospitals and so mournful. Oh, mother, the young man in Armory Square, Dennis Barrett, in the 169th New York, I mentioned before, is probably going to get up after all. He is like one saved from the grave. Saturday last I saw him and talked with him and gave him something to eat, and he was much better. It is the most unexpected recovery I have yet seen. Mother, I see Jeff says in the letter you don't hear from me very often. I will write oftener, especially to Jeff. Dear brother, I hope you are getting along good and in good spirits. You must not mind the failure of the sewer bills, etc. It don't seem to me it makes so much difference about worldly successes, beyond just enough to eat and drink and shelter in the moderatist limits any more, since the last four months of my life especially, and that merely to live and have one fair meal a day is enough. But then you have a family, and that makes a difference. Maddie, I send you my best love, dear sister. How I wish I could be with you one or two good days. Matt, do you remember the good time we had that awful stormy night we went to the opera in New York and had the front seat and heard the handsome-mouthed Garabella and had the good oyster supper at Fulton Market? Pewter them ales! Oh, Matt, I hope and trust we shall have such times again. Tell Andrew he must remember what I wrote about the throat, etc. I am sure he will get all right before long and recover his voice. Give him my love. 
and tell manahatta her uncle walt is living now among the sick soldiers jeff look out for the eagles and send the portraits dearest mother i must bid you and all for the present good-bye walt nine washington tuesday may fifth eighteen sixty three dearest mother your letter came safe and was very welcome and always will be mother i am sorry about your rheumatism if it still continues i think it would be well for me to write a line to mrs piercy and get jeff to stop with it so that you could take the baths again as i am sure they are very beneficial dear mother you write me or jeff must in the next letter how you are getting along whether it is any better or worse i want to know mother about george's fund in the bank i hope by all means you can scratch along so as to leave two hundred and fifty dollars there i am so anxious that our family should have a little ranch even if it is of the meanest kind off somewhere that you can call your own and that would do for ed etc it might be a real dependence and comfort and maybe for george as much as any one i mean to come home one of these days and get the acre or half acre somewhere out in some by-place on long island and build it you see if i don't about hannah dear mother i hardly know what advice to give you from what i know at present i can't tell what course to pursue i want han to come home from the bottom of my heart then there are other thoughts and considerations that come up dear mother i cannot advise but shall acquiesce in anything that is settled upon and try to help the condition of things here in the hospitals is getting pretty bad the wounded from the battles around fredericksburg are coming up in large numbers it is very sad to see them i have written to mr lane asking him to get his friends to forward me what they think proper but somehow i feel delicate about sending such requests after all i have almost made up my mind to do what i can personally and not seek assistance from others dear mother i have not received any letter from george i write to him and send papers to winchester mother while i have been writing this a very large number of southern prisoners i should think one thousand at least has passed up pennsylvania avenue under a strong guard i went out in the street close to them poor fellows many of them mere lads it brought the tears they seemed our flesh and blood too some wounded all miserable in clothing all in dirt and tatters many of them fine young men mother i cannot tell you how i feel to see those prisoners marched ten washington wednesday forenoon may thirteenth eighteen sixty three dearest mother i am late with my letter this week my poor poor boys occupy my time very much i go every day and sometimes nights i believe i mentioned a young man in ward f armory square with a bad wound in the leg very agonizing had to have it propped up and an attendant all the while dripping water on night and day i was in hopes at one time he would get through with it but a few days ago he took a sudden bad turn and died about three o'clock the same afternoon it was horrible he was of good family handsome intelligent man about twenty-six married 
His name was John Elliot of Cumberland Valley, Bedford County, Pennsylvania. Belonged to the 2nd Pennsylvania Cavalry. I felt very bad about it. I have wrote to his father, have not received any answer yet. No friend nor any of his folks was here, and have not been here nor sent, probably don't know of it at all. The surgeons put off amputating the leg, he was so exhausted, but at last it was imperatively necessary to amputate. Mother, I am shocked to tell you that he never came alive off the amputating table. He died under the operation. It was what I had dreaded and anticipated. Poor young man. He suffered much, very, very much, for many days, and bore it so patiently, so that it was a release to him. Mother, such things are awful. Not a soul here he knew or cared about except me. Yet the surgeons and nurses were good to him. I think all was done for him that could be. There was no help but take off the leg. He was under chloroform. They tried their best to bring him to. Three long hours were spent, a strong smelling bottle held under his nostrils with other means. Three hours. Mother, how contemptible all the usual little worldly prides and vanities and striving after appearances seems in the midst of such scenes as these, such tragedies of soul and body. To see such things and not be able to help them is awful. I feel almost ashamed of being so well and whole. Dear Mother, I have not heard from George himself, but I got a letter from Fred McReady, a young Brooklyn man in the 51st. He is intimate with George, said he was well and hearty. I got the letter about five days ago. I wrote to George four days since, directed to Winchester, Kentucky. I got a letter from a friend in Nashville, Tennessee, yesterday. He told me the Ninth Army Corps was ordered to move to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I don't know whether this is so or not. I send papers to George almost every day. So far, I think it was fortunate the 51st was moved west, and I hope it will continue so. Mother, it is all a lottery, this war. No one knows what will come up next. Mother, I received Jeff's letter of May 9th. It was welcome, as all of Jeff's letters are, and all others from home. Jeff says, you do not hear from me at home, but seldom. Mother, I write once a week to you regular. But I will write soon to Jeff a good long letter. I have wanted to for some time, but have been much occupied. Dear brother, I wish you to say to Probasco and all the other young men on the works, I send them my love and best thanks. Never anything came more acceptable than the little fun they forwarded me the last week through Mr. Lane. Our wounded from Hooker's battles are worse wounded and more of them than any battle of the war, and indeed any, I may say, of modern times. Besides, the weather has been very hot here. Very bad for new wounds. Yet as Jeff writes so downhearted, I must tell him the rebellion has lost worse and more than we have. The more I find out about it, the more I think they, the Confederates, have received an irreparable harm and loss in Virginia. I should not be surprised to see them, either voluntarily or by force, leaving Virginia before many weeks. I don't see how on earth they can stay there. I think Hooker is already reaching after them again. I myself do not give up Hooker yet. 
Dear mother, I should like to hear from Han, poor Han. I send my best love to sister Matt and all. Goodbye, dearest mother. Walt End of letters of 1862-3, numbers 6 through 10.